Welcome back for another week. It's episode 127 of the Night Shift Football Podcast, Australia's longest running football pod, allegedly. And when you live here and you want to catch all the European action, you're going to be in for some blurry-eyed mornings and a metric shit ton of coffee. This week, VAR lost the plot, Lataro went bonkers in Italy, Chelsea won a football game, and United still stink. Righto, let's get stuck in. Uh, Tommy's here with me. How you doing, man? Excellent. Although Cooper's just tried to diagnose me with lung cancer, but sure, I'm okay. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, uh, fringe shows and stuff doesn't qualify you as a doctor, so Cooper has no business telling people what diseases they have. Uh, say hello while you're there, Cooper, but try not to diagnose any listeners. Uh, hi, um, that's probably the shortest disease list anyone's ever given Tom before, so I would be taking it as a compliment. <sighs> Oh, jeez. Yes, my last checkup wasn't pretty. Mm, grim. Um, let's talk soccer instead of diseases. Soccer. Um, soccer, which is a disease. <laughs> this tweet came across the night shift desk today that um, we wanted to point out, I guess. Uh, I'll read it out. It comes from James William on Twitter. Oh, I nearly said Twitter. It's X. Don't dead name X. it. I shouldn't dead name Twitter. Uh, it comes from uh, James William on X. And it says, imagine how much fun it would be to go down, keep 90% of the squad together, win most weeks, visit a lot of grounds you've not been to in ages, have your goat banging them in every week. Much more fun uh, than mid-table Barclays mediocrity. He's, of course, referring to the fact that Jamie Vardy, who is 36 years old, has three goals in his last three starts for Leicester City and is going strong in the championship. Uh Tommy, this is something we've talked about a bit with struggling mid-table to lower Premier League teams. Yep. Jamie Vardy, uh, three sets of opposition fans wound up as well in all of those celebrations. <laughs> Absolutely. He's enjoying visiting all of these far-flung towns, I think, in the Champo. We, I, I like, because I support a yo-yo club now, been there, done it, it is far more enjoyable um, when you are the big fish coming back into that little pond I mean, it's a pretty big pond, but, like, there's some small fishies in there. Like, you can really have some, some fun against some poor opposition. And the way Leicester are doing it at the minute, they really have held on to, like, proper Premier League talent. And, you know, bar those two poor seasons, they probably were Premier League or Barclays mainstays. So they get to have the best of all worlds with this. There's something we talked about with, uh, like, Dash era Burnley especially, where, you know, if your whole point is to finish 17th every year in the Premier League and that's the way you set up to play is to stop other teams scoring and try to scab results here and there. What sort of existence is that for a a player wanting to play professional football Um, and what sort of existence is that for fans of a club like and then we see people crying when their team gets relegated and stuff as though playing in the champion not being in the Premier League is I guess it just comes back to this weird weirdly high pedestal that we've put the Premier League on as like the be all and end all of football when it isn't. Um, Cooper, what do you think? Yeah, um, I think good tweet and good take. Um, I'm not sure how much Leicester supporters get to claim Barclays mediocrity when they won a Premier League title in the last decade. Um, there's a few clubs that would do oh. bad bad things to probably have that sort of success. Um, but yeah, no, I think good take. Why, why would your team be horrendous in the Premier League for years and years and years when you can go down and have a bit of fun and then, you know, maybe come back and have another go. But it's not, I think you're right, it's not the end of the world to go to the championship. 
probably you look pretty probably closer than I do, but the I don't know a whole lot about it. But obviously, the parachute payment stuff probably is going to add to the the fun that a Premier League team is going to have when they go down. Oh yeah, it greatly distorts it for sure. But the EFL have brought in recently, maybe last year, like adjusted FFP rules, which kind of tries to limit uh, using the parachute payments to like go out and splurge and buy players. So yeah. really, it kind of depends on the side you come down with. Like you really, you're seeing Southampton struggle a lot because they've sold um, a few of their more, you know, premium talents. And so they're trying to restring things together without necessarily spending that money because it's got to be diverted elsewhere. Um, but for Leicester, they're just taking the piss because they've got Jamie Vardy for Christ's sake. Like he was still, yeah. he didn't have the greatest Prem season, but fucking hell. Yeah, we are. We don't really look at the championship a whole lot. Maybe one like towards the end, or if something ridiculous is happening, some teams going on a ballistic run or something. But um, yeah, it's it's too early to really call anything. But Leicester, um, top of the pile at the moment, eight wins and just the one loss. They've scored eighteen goals in their nine games, so two goals a game. They're going at at the moment with a goal difference of twelve. So uh, they're looking pretty strong favourites, I'd say, at the moment to come straight back up. Um, yeah, th- there's two certainties in the Champo this season. Leicester go up, Sheffield Wednesday go down. Yeah, Wednesday have conceded 12 goals already in there and just the two points. There's some other poor ones down there, but uh, Watford surprisingly low and Middlesbrough, which is not a good sign for our Aussie boys there, but um, it is what it is. We'll maybe look at the championship a bit later on. Um, I'm just going to whiz through Italy if I can. Um, get this out the way early. A bunch of games over the weekend. There was some midweek stuff last week, but uh, a pretty jam-packed weekend of action in the Serie A that was it was really good. But um, aside from the one game, uh, Napoli smashed Lecce 4-0 and Osimhen got on the score sheet. Kvaricelia got on the score sheet, his first goal of the, uh, this season. So Napoli just starting to claw their way back into this title fight. Um, Milan beat Lazio 2-0 and the positives again. Rafa Liao involved in both goals. Christian Pulisic has been uh, scoring goals for Milan since joining as well. Inter, Tommy, your boy Lautaro Martinez scored four. Um, we, I think we talk about him most weeks now. He just flies under the radar as one of the great strikers that is uh, going around. We had a bit of a discussion last week about strikers and who are the real top ones in the, in the world at the moment when you go outside of Kane and Lewandowski. But he's right there amongst them, I'd say, at the moment, cementing his spot. Um not sure if you know him, but uh, Orsolini, Riccardo Orsolini scored a hat-trick for Bologna. Uh, worth pointing out, hat-tricks are always fun. Um, Juve and Atalanta played out probably the, the worst nil-all draw in a long, long time. Five shots on target for the game and not a whole lot of exciting happening. Um, I saw lots of stuff on X. I nearly said Twitter again. A lot of stuff on X about um, the only winners in this game were the people who took a nap during the game. So... Um, do that what you will. <laughs> Roma had is that, a, is, is that the new reading a book at the football is falling asleep? I think so. Yeah, it must be. Um, Roma had a 2-0 win. Uh, pretty standard, but just worth pointing out that, you know, it's all the big guys starting to get involved now for these teams. So it's Lukaku, it's Dybala, it's Pellegrini. Um, you know, same as Milan with Lau. Like, you know, it's the the big players, Osimhen, Lataro Martinez. They're all starting to step up to the plate. And the last game I wanted to point out, because it killed my multi, Sassuolo knocked off Juve last week 4-2. And then midweek, 
went to the San Siro and knocked off Inter, the first team to take points off Inter this season with a 2-1 win. Domenico Berardi scoring goals in both of those games. And they lost at home 1-0 to Monza. Oh, good. Um, good consistency. Lorenzo uh, Colombo, 21-year-old on loan from Milan, scored the goal just to <laughs> to kill my multi. So thanks, Lorenzo. Cheers, buddy. Cruel, good cruel irony. Cruel it irony. Is, isn't it? Um, but there you go. Are That's we, my quick wrap of Italy this week. Are we still convinced? Or is the jury still out on whether or not Lukaku is a flat-track bully or like he's actually scoring good goals now? Uh, I... He's not a flat track bully. He's a good striker. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. He's just a yo-yo, isn't he? You just don't really know what you're going to get. And I think that's the danger teams have with looking at him. I was surprised Milan didn't try and get him, as I've mentioned. But he's ended yeah. up at Roma where they have striker options. Uh, but he seems to be combining with Dybala pretty well. And he's got Pellegrini in behind him. Uh, it's a pretty dangerous looking Roma side when they're up and about. But yeah. Mm. It's yeah a big old um, box of chocolates. On Andrea Bellotti, unused sub on the weekend as well. Yeah, his is a career that has really looked like it was going places. An absolute goal machine at Torino. Um, Milan tried to get him once or twice. Inter looked at him a bit. Um, Juve had a bit of a sniff, but not really. And then in the end, no one really went for him, and he ended up kind of f- forcing a move. Ended up at Roma. Roma wanted him, um, and he wanted it out of Torino. And then he's. It's still not. It's not really taken off for him. So, one of those strikers that was just kind of, just always, just that little bit below the top level, and now has probably missed his chance to go big, and is is getting on towards. I think what is twenty nine, maybe now Balotti. I don't know, but yeah. Oh boy, a league career incoming. A league career. I'd take him in Adelaide. I tell you what, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, did um yeah. did either of you see the Pink Floyd Tifo yet? Sala Natana Nana 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 Sala Nana 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 Natana, yeah. Uh, how wicked, crazy, like way more than just a display. It was like a full-on moving art piece, basically. Yeah, wild scenes. Um, in that they have that home end there that just gets packed out, and it seems like every fan just wants to sit in that one end of the ground, and then there's heaps of empty seats around. So, yeah, yeah good on them. Uh, but the they did. Had. They did get pumped 4-0 by Inter, though. So Inter, yeah. are just, Inter are just flying at the moment. I know they lost right. to Sassuolo, and now Milan and Inter are both equal top, but it is what it is. Um, we'll move it on. Fantasy football this week. Our, our mate Chicken Tikka Mo Salah uh, leads the way now with 400 and, 446 points. Leads the way. Uh, Blake Hillis sits in second. Another Newcastle fan. Lockie McGregor's now in third. The most points this week. Darcy Judd-Smith got 78 with his team, uh, Sucker Fried Rice. And I think... It's on the nose. What's he got? Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins. That's that's all you needed. Three this week is what's got him there. I think he had Trippier with 12. Uh, Alvarez with eight. And Bakaya Sucker. So... There you go. Well done to this week's uh, this week's fantasy stars. Good job. How about our team, Tommy? Uh, it's 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 a project where we're <laughs> under improvement at the moment. Just the, I need backing. I need time. I need funds. It's seen better days. All right, let's get stuck into these Premier League games. We've got a few we're going to go through this week. Uh, not all of them because it's just it's just too much football going on in the world to keep track of it all. But the first game of the week was a big. Seven-goal game at Villa Park where Villa scored six, Brighton just a one. 
what's this revolving door between uh, Villa and Brighton either conceding lots or scoring lots? Um, I think both very good attacking teams and that that might be why, you know, we're seeing lots of goals and if it, it didn't come for Brighton on the day with their attacks and, you know, it came for, for Villa. Brighton still had a massive possession and 11 shots on goal at the end of the day. They just, they weren't effective with their shots. They didn't really take their chances. Um, but Villa did. Villa were, they were really clinical, only 38% possession, but 19 shots, hit the target nine times, scored six goals. Um, I think Villa potentially a little bit more switched on defensively than Brighton as well. Just overall or like in this game? Um, I think just overall, I think they're a little bit, you know, more settled at the back. You know, Luca Dean, we talked about him last week. He's a fantastic player. Matty Cash has had a good season so far. And then they've got their options with obviously Mings out at the moment. But uh, Ezri Concer and Pau Torres is still a still a very formidable centre-back partnership for one of those mid-table sides. Yeah, yeah not too shabby. I thought Emery just got it uh, tactics spot on. Like, there's definitely a blueprint for how to beat Brighton. And if you can expose them in like those transition moments, they did early on um, for the first walk and goal. And uh, there was a couple other moments they created after that. That's where you're going to be able to get at them, um, especially while they try and acclimatize this like three game a week thing that they have to do now. Like it's been a few seasons since they're in the championship. And I think going to Europe and then playing Villa on the weekends a little bit different from like Rotherham and Plymouth. Yeah, I think it's one of the things we highlighted, wasn't it? There would be a real struggle for them once European football kicked in. Uh, but conceding six goals, I don't know what. at what point do you try to change it up and hold off to not let it get any worse. Do you do that or do you just let it nah, go all out and just take, I, the, take I, it? I like, I like it. And I like that Villa got spanked by Newcastle as well and then didn't try and change it up that much. Like I think maybe one... Horrible defeat like that is way better overall if you are, you know, going to be able to consistently play a certain style and get points in other games. Like Brighton and Villa are both, what, Brighton's only three three points off of City. And so I think, yeah, I'd rather take the 6-1 every, every month or every two months whenever it came around. Yeah, I think I think the... Um... Perves a Stupinian substitution in that triple sub that they that Brighton and Deservey made at half time sort of showed a little bit that they thought that they potentially needed to go a little bit more, not less attacking, but a little bit more defensive actually within that back four. I think a Stupinian's had a great start to the season and you know he's been doing some great things for fantasy managers with all the the assists and goal contributions he's he's finding, but it's potentially not what they needed in this game against Villa. And the space that he left for Diaby was just too much. So Tarek Lamptey at halftime came on, gives a little bit to them attacking-wise, but I think he's a lot more settled in stone defensively than a Stupinian is. Mm. And it do- doesn't help when a Stupinian's scoring goals for Villa either, I suppose. No, not at all. Um, pretty one-sided game at Bournemouth. Um, Arsenal... For Bournemouth, Neil, uh, only worth mentioning really due to the fact that Arsenal gifted uh, Havertz a penalty to take so he could get on the score sheet. Got his first goal and um, I guess the highlight was just really the way they all got around him too. Um, Gabriel was like giving him a noogie, like just (laughs) rubbing his head off. But um, What what was he doing? He came and like did the old, you know, the headlock and you like knuckle their head, like I don't know what you call it. It's just oh yeah, he gave yeah. his head a good rubbing. Yeah, he gave his head a good rubbing. That's what he did. Um, Everton won Luton two. And uh, we gave Everton some big ups last week, saying that maybe they weren't as bad as they'd seemed, and that 
they got a pretty good win against Brentford away, which was really worth noting. And then they've come back home to Goodison. They've gone down to Luton, giving them their first Premier League victory. Who's who's the bigger result for, Luton or Everton? Uh, Everton. I um, think the loss is bigger for Everton than the win is for Luton. I think it's a win for the Premier League in general at this point too. Seriously, get oh, Ever- get Everton wins. get Everton in the fucking Championship as quickly as you can because Earth. this is grim. Um, a Carlton Morris man of the match performance in the Premier League. <laughs> who would have thought? There's only one one stadium in the Championship that could have happened at an away game, and it's Goodison Park, isn't it? Um, I just don't even know what to say for Everton anymore. Um, they dominated this game, but fuck, they lack serious firepower. And I feel for Dominic Cavaloon because he can only do so much. Um, they were huge on this this signing of, of Beto when he came in and he's yet to have a goal contribution. Um, Abdullah Decore has been their best route to goal without Dom in the side, but I don't know how well the two of them up front works together. It's just real hack football. And I genuinely feel <laughs> like they have players in this side that, are good enough players to play non-hack football and not get relegated. I really feel this is like so hard hitting on on game style in the way they play because they play relegation football like Sam spoke about before. If you're going to set up to see how many goals you can not concede in a game of football, what's the point of being there? And I don't know whether their supporters, like we said, want to go down to the championship and, and have a tour of fucking England and Wales and and do whatever they need to do and win some games and be a powerhouse. But I, I feel like, you know, Idrissa Gay, Amado Anana, Dwight McNeil that they brought across from Burnley had a great season in the Premier League before he came across. DCL, we've seen, can score goals. I just, I still think part of them is better than if you let them attack. Part of them is better than the teams that should finish below them. Oh, the jury is well and truly out considering it's been, what, three years since we've actually seen Everton as like an attacking force. And it's not just one hack manager instilling that in them. This is the lowest quality side they've put out maybe in my lifetime. I I, I don't think Four. there's any players here that you would be biting their arm off to try that, and sign. That back four is completely rotten. That uh, Mikalenko. So, so much rotten. Brathwaite, Tarkovsky, who's just, yeah, he's just doing trying to do what he did at Burnley, uh, trying to keep him out <laughs> of the mud. Um, and, and back together. As we've mentioned before, signing Ashley Young at his age to come back to the Premier League and be your starting right back, you may as well have just still had Coleman. Like, what the fuck is going on? That is horrendous. Um, you can have a juice again in the midfield if you like, but if you're going to have these other guys around and what's, and like Dominic up front, what do you want him to do? What can he do? Nothing. Can't. Be, um, You'll be pleased to know that Jared Branthwaite is linked to Man United, so he's got a stepping stone onto greater things. Oh, brilliant. Oh, wonderful. I, I'm he's earning it. This is probably more a question for you, Tom, but of the football that I've seen him play, that more specifically the Premier League football, you can't tell me that Jack Harrison's not good enough to be starting in this team. Oh, you should be. Yeah, for sure. And, like, Jack Harrison is just, like, a hard worker, and he's a guy that will, <clears throat> like, if you're a goal down to Luton at home, get the fans back on side with you know, a determined effort to try and win the ball and take it up the field. And that's, they're seriously lacking that kind of player in this team. Well, they've got two, two six foot three plus strikers on the pitch and nine blokes behind them that can't cross a fucking ball. <laughs> it's like, it's like watching Adelaide United with Hiroki yeah, up front. It's, it's getting, that. it's getting to this point. 
Oh, we're going to see it all over again. We're the Everton of the A-League, aren't we? That's so grim. It's looking that way. That's the way we're headed. Uh, Man United, nil. Crystal Palace, one. Gives me lots of joy to say. Uh, how was your United housemates this week, Tommy? You know, I asked uh, one of them tonight what he thought of the game. He's like, I didn't watch that shit. <laughs> Did watch. Just tuned out. Yeah, no need. You wake to- up in the morning. Didn't even see the highlights. I love woke to up, it. saw they lost one nil. Whatever. Beautiful. That's the great. That's the best way to be a Premier League fan in Australia. Just ride the ride, ride the wave, and uh, watch the games you you think you might win after yeah. you've checked the score. Uh, Cooper, Man United, yeah. Newell Palace one. What do you got? Um, what Tom has just said then about his housemate is the perfect segue and what I wanted to ask Tom and, and you, Sammy, but more particularly Tom about oh, in okay. this scenario, um, only because I know he was talking about it on on Saturday night, Sunday morning as well. Um, I don't care how many red-nosed bastards there are in this country. If their own supporters aren't going to watch their games, why the fuck are they the goal rush game every single week? Can Optus pull their... I don't want to watch Crystal Palace beat Man United 1-0 at Old Trafford when there's mm. six other games to choose from. Every week that they play in that Super Saturday time slot or Super Sunday time slot, whatever it is in England, they are the goal rush game. And it's 90 minutes of piss football, no matter who they play against. Thank is that you. on Optus? Yes. They yeah. make the decision. Yeah, they get, yeah, they get it's, to decide the goal yeah, rush so game. So Optus, Optus decides who the goal rush game is. Yeah. So is it oh, also is it Optus? I'm going off track here from your question, but is does that mean it's also Optus <laughs> who decides to when you're watching goal rush, uh, the the actual game is a tiny part of the screen because we need all these live scores and yeah, table the, down the, the ladder, side. the ladder up the side, yeah, and the extra a live ladder six yeah. rounds in. I don't oh need to know God, what the score in every other game is if you're going to cut away from the game I'm watching and show me the goals when they're scored. Yeah. If, I, if I'm if i that desperate to look at these things, I'll look on my phone. I, I definitely don't need a live table. <laughs> I want. I have a fucking 72-inch TV the for only, a reason. The I can only, watch 72 inches of football on it. The only genuine <laughs> positive out of all these negatives we're bringing up now is when Man United are the goal rush game and they concede to Crystal Palace at home and that we get to watch them fall down the live table on the yeah. side of the screen gorgeous i wish they made it slower like they just <laughs> teetered teetered <laughs> fell um is it worth us doing any chat about united again or uh, what else can we say like no uh, i i said to my cousin i wasn't gonna do it oh, i can't there's too many people they're enough. so sad man they're uh, so sad. i reserve all opinions on man united because i've been bashed on tiktok enough in the last four the months. only um the only takeaway i'm getting is that uh Casemiro really is a level way too above Man United. Like he deserves so much better, and I can't believe, can't believe he's come from Real Madrid into this. Like, and he looks he looks clear and far away their best player in a lot of games as well. It's it's like that one really good footballer in your friendship group, and he comes out and plays Sunday League with you right at the beginning, and you're like, oh, "What are you doing here? You don't have to be here." I guess it's just it's just turning into us sinking the boot in again. But at what point does just I also what point like, does Bruno step up? Like he would uh, never. He would never. I, honestly, I hate his guts, but I feel for him as well because he's no no with, sympathy with Casemiro. The two of them are far and beyond the two best footballers in this United team. But what's what's Bruno's far reaction to it? When's at what point does Bruno just step up and try well, to take a game on? And well, they've won. He one, doesn't. He just sulks and hides. They've had multiple one 0 wins this season where he scored the goal. It's, sure. It seems to. I mean, I just I keep looking at the signings that they've made, and I understand that 
they signed Onana because he was better with his feet, but they should, probably should have had a look at his hands before before his feet. Um, he's abysmal. Um, Sofia and Amrabat Oof, seems a really rough. weird signing. Um, I understand good World Cup, etc. But is he Man United level of football? Depending on well, what you what what Man United <laughs> what Man United believe their level of football is, you're signing a guy that was excellent. You know. Is a is a deep six in the World Cup for Morocco, and then playing him at left back next to Victor Lindelof and expecting good results. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what it comes down to. Strange move. Um, we'll move it on. Uh, Newcastle beat Burnley two 0 Pretty regulation for them at this stage, I guess. Um, Amaron scored a nice goal with a, a flat track bully Trippier assist. Tommy, I know how much you hate Kieran Trippier. For uh, are we are reason. we really are we really giving him this assist? Yep. Well, fantasy did. That's how it works. Yeah, mate. it's the only reason that it's an assist. If you, if you it's had, official. if you had, here we go. If you, no, this is. Have you seen it, Sam? <laughs> yeah. If you had punted on Kieran Trippier to score assist on the weekend, it wouldn't have counted. Why? Because it, because it wasn't an intentional pass. It was a gone tackle, down as an assist. A tackle that deflected. No, it's only an assist in fantasy terms. If you go on any other app, it won't be an assist. Live score says it's an assist. Well, there you go. Live score's wrong. Still wouldn't count. Is it? Yeah. So or are the bookies wrong? Or are you just wrong? The, the book is a scum, but I'm sorry. The guy made a tackle. <laughs> a fullback made a tackle. Congratulations. Oh, gee, the bookies wouldn't want to pay out on that, would they? Oh, would never. Oh. Cooper taking the bookie side. Oh, oh interesting. Go. He's a sleeper cell for the bookies now. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Newcastle won 2-0. West Ham also won 2-0, beating Sheffield United, who are in all sorts at the moment. They have one point at the moment. Maybe we'll look at them next week, depending oh, on how their trash. results go. They are nah, they I'm are not watching them. trash. Where's the... Um, would the irony exist of me talking about Luton breaking the points record all season and then Sheffield just fly yeah, under the radar and do it? Yeah. Ends up being Sheffield. <laughs> it would um, be brilliant. And Burnley at the same time. Wolves beat Man City 2-1. Um, you sound surprised. There are people saying that no Rodri uh, means City are a mess. You know, missing Kevin De Bruyne, missing Rodri, and mm-hmm. the wheels falling off a little bit maybe with just this one loss that still has them top of the table. <laughs> Where, does anyone know when their last loss was before this one? Uh, recently. Was oh, How recent? <laughs> it wasn't this season, obviously. But... Mid- midweek in the cup. Yeah, that also mean, Newcastle. Oh, met, oh yeah. yeah, of course, Newcastle. Wheels are falling off. Here we go. It's the opportunity to strike. Liverpool, Arsenal, who wants it? I just, I think I've said it on the pod before, and I don't know if it's more more in and around the areas at the moment now that they, like I said, in this game didn't have Roger and De Bruyne, but more particularly without De Bruyne. They haven't been scoring a massive goals in games, even against the the bad sides. Obviously, the beach, we talked, spoke about how bad Sheffield, Sheffield were, and they beat them 2-0 a week ago in the Premier League, and, you know, three points is three points. Um but I just wonder their goal creation and, and the way they move the ball around. They just keep the ball. And I just don't know how much you look at teams, you know, that have gone to the Molyneux this season and just attacked Wolves and their defense is pish and they just break them down and score goals for fun. And City have the ability to do this, but they're so obsessed with playing this beautiful football and just knocking the ball around. And they just created no chances. One goal in 90 minutes against Wolves who have been poor this season. And it was directly from a free kick. It was a good free kick. It was a great free kick. I think you're looking at a team with uh, four or three new additions and now Alvarez starting every week. So you've got Doku on the left, uh, Kovacic, uh, Nunez in the middle. Difficult, potentially. Akanji maybe 
wasn't at his best either at centre back. Um, it's an odd combination. I think maybe Pep when he was a little bit too overconfident, um, which may be reflected in the fact he couldn't remember Huang's name in the the pre yeah. pretty much press conference, and that came back to the Korean guy in the fucking face. Yeah, um, Jeremy Doku, he interesting guy in this city team. He I don't know if any either of you watched this game at all. Um, I saw bits. He did a few Enough. things in this he game that I thought he was awful in this game. Um, his first two games have been really good before this, but mm. he, he does. Week, didn't he? He, he did, yeah. He he does a few things that very much aren't city things and aren't pep things. Um, at one point in the game, a corner was cleared straight up in the air and it went miles up and it came out to him on the top of the 18-yard box and just dropped to him from about 20 metres in the air and he had about 10 metres of space and he just put his boot through it first time, didn't even let it bounce or anything, and it just went straight back up where it came from. Nice. And I just thought there is not a, to the bit. There's, there's not a single other player in this Guardiola system or in this city <laughs> side that wouldn't have just taken that ball down and recycled it. And I just yeah. obviously it'll, it's he's only played three games in this team, so it'll come. But it's just it's funny watching one of these really offensive new guys come into this mold and <laughs> and not totally understand Pep football. I'm going to be my own man. I'm going to make my own name in this club. No, you won't. You're going to get beaten into submission like the rest of them. You can play this beautiful football and win trebles every season because this is a minor blip. I, th- I thought I thought Wolves were good and they were well worth the win in the end. I thought the home crowd definitely played its part. Fucking raucous in there. And, you know, when you give them something to hang on to against the side, like you said, a little bit bereft of attacking creativity without KDB and Rodri, obviously a huge miss. You can see that. It's reflected in the stats now without him. Um, yeah. Not too shocking when you watch the game, but yeah, crazy on paper. Yeah, Wolves winning 2-1 with one shot on target, getting two goals, somehow beating City with that. Um, Just on Doku, uh, another one of those strange, obviously people who are no better than us have picked him out, but at 75 league appearances for Ren for 10 goals um, as a winger. I don't know if that's... Uh, he's he's 21, Um. Obviously, Pep knows what he's doing, though, so we shouldn't be too too harsh early. You just have to trust that he's probably going to end up being a really good footballer. So uh, we'll yeah. wait and see on that one, I guess. Oh, yeah. Coop talked to Doku up, uh, I think, in the one of the preseason pods. Yeah. Yeah, I did. Um, I think he's a good player. I'm not sure. Uh, watch a lot of he, French League, do you? If he 100%. No, he had a – he um. we spoke about him pre-World Cup um, uh... for a while as well and talking about the impact he could have for Belgium and that, you know, he's – you know, touted as a good player. There's been a lot of Premier League interest with him before. Um, Liverpool were in for him for quite a while and Spurs looked at him too. I just wonder whether he suits one of those sides better with the way Man City plays. Um, but if he comes into his own, they've had direct players before. I thought Sane was excellent for City, um, obviously for a small small sample size, but he was still very good for them. So it can in a, uh, a little off track here, but um, in a weird place, Belgium at the moment with their, they've had that golden generation of players that are all getting really on now. And I feel like every few months or so, there's always a new next big thing. And they, then the year, a year or two goes by and they're not that. And then, um, you know, so the jury's still out on Doku, I guess, but we'll wait and see 21 years old. I hate to be writing anyone off at 21. I'm still back in Richarlison and he's how old is he? 24, 25. He's coming good, though. I don't know. He's coming good. Here we go. Let's talk about it. Spurs 2, Liverpool 1. 
Uh, who wants to start with this one? Cooper's going to need some need some therapy in this, I guess. You're going but... to have to play the chimes, I think, man. <laughs> I don't even know if I've still got them. I think I lost it. I deleted file, but... <laughs> Corrupted. It just yeah. breaks the pot apart. I just I want to know who checks the clear and obvious errors committed by the guys checking for clear and obvious errors. Yeah. Who's the, like, VAR VAR team? Yeah, the VAR VAR. We need, we need a VAR for the VAR. Just a never-ending room of people checking each other's decisions made until we all go mad. Cooper, you obviously watched this one. I can see you're in anguish right now. Um, can we, we, we can we skip past the referee stuff for now? Uh, I want your thoughts on the actual football initially. Yeah, the actual football. Um, Spurs were a good side. Um, first twenty five yep. minutes, eleven on eleven. It was a very even contest. Um, and I don't want to, you know, overrate obviously bias opinion. Obviously, I don't know what you, your thoughts on it are, but I think Liverpool are tenfold a better side this season than they were last season with a full team. I think we expected I think, so. to, I think we expected to see this once yep. once these players come back in. Um, Sobeschlei has been an excellent signing. McAllister's still getting used to that that deeper lying six, but he's been very good as well. Um. The football was great. It was a great first 25 minutes. Um, obviously, the red card came along, but even up until halftime, it was still very competitive football. It was just, in general, it was a good game, I think. Um, Spurs are going to go with the best teams this year. They really are. I don't I don't necessarily think that they're ready to... There's a few people that are saying, oh, Ange, they've beaten Liverpool now. Who knows what they'll do against City, da, da, da. They will still drop points against teams that they shouldn't while they're trying to learn this game style because you don't come into a team, implement a new game style and not have any blips. That doesn't that doesn't happen. Yeah, they've had a few um, lucky escapes. As they well, they right? have, definitely. Um, you know, this was a very lucky escape too against nine men in the end it was. Um but they're going to be a top four side, I think. I'm, I'm pretty confident they're going to be a top four side. Yes, and and, we're on the end and if, if Ange stays with them and they keep... It's just this positive football they're playing. I think we've said for years they they just need to attack. Too negative. I mean, that they was had too negative. So, such, def- yeah. such great attacking options, especially, you know, Kane and Son in the same team and we're playing defensive football. It doesn't make any sense. And we've we've they've Andrews brought players out. Um obviously Eves Basuma was riding the bench for Spurs last year and he's been one of their top three players this season so far, probably. Um yeah, they're gonna rattle a few cages this season and, and good luck to them. I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean I'm on the I love I'm on the fuck it I love Spurs train. Um I really enjoy seeing like a super league club get done in by you know the very thing that they were trying to escape which is like competition this this is just it's does it feel as good when it's a super league club being done in by another club who thought they were super league i think that's what it comes down to that they had that very english feeling of they meant they were supposed to be there maybe they could have paid to be there but they never really deserved to be there but under Ange, yeah maybe they are but like like Coop said, this this was a great game because it was just two teams. Even when it was 10 men, I thought it was perhaps even a better game because there was a little bit more space to exploit. And Liverpool were still trying to come out and press and get at them a little bit too. Um, it's just it's fun to watch two attacking teams. Like all we do is decry negative football. And so, yeah, it's nice when you actually get to watch a game that you enjoy. Yeah, I think um, one thing I wanted to to ask you guys about it's it's on the spot and it's going to be a hard hard thing to say yes or no to without sitting down with a pen and paper and figuring out who they all are. Um, yes. But I think w- thinking at it first go, it's it's roughly sort of on the right path and on the on the money. If you were to talk top 
10 Premier League signings this season that have had the best, the biggest impact so far. Spurs probably have four of them in um, Vicario, Mickey van der Ven, Destiny, a doggy and James Madison. Um, and I think that's a testament to, obviously we talk about Ange all the time, but the way that the backroom staff has sat down with Ange and gone, which guys can we bring in that, that might not be the, the greatest superstars or the biggest known superstars. You know, we've seen teams sell players for big money like Kane and then, and, and bring in nobodies or the reinforcements are no good, but they've sat down and they've picked players that really suit the way Ange wants to play football. And they're just seamless additions into this side. Yeah. It's like they learned their lesson from the bail sale when they went out and they splashed hundred million on just trash and it set them back again. Um, I totally agree. Destiny Doggy is such a fun player to watch. Uh, and he's one that you wouldn't, like if you saw him um, just randomly, you would think, oh, this guy isn't quality. Like this guy's not going to be someone that can lift you to a top four finish, but he genuinely is. And so that's the benefit sometimes I get, I guess that you get out of going into the market for lesser known players or playing guys in your academy that come through and whatever else. So you don't always have to go out and buy established talent, but Jay uh, Madison would be number one, right? He's got to be the purchase of the season. So far. absolutely. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, Pippa, shall we talk through these refereeing decisions? We'll start with the first one, the red card to Jones. Uh, how do we feel about this one? Uh, I'm still not 100% sure which way I feel about this one. Yep. Um, I think that given what we've seen uh, this season so far and how they're officiating and with the consistency of how they're going to officiate, um, I don't, a lot of people do, but I don't have any issues with the Curtis Jones red card. Mm. I think it's exactly what we saw with Malagusto and Chelsea last week. I think it's the same thing. If you're going to, those midfield challenges, when you're going to be the guy that arrives to the ball second, the duty of care is on you. If you're going to, if you're not going to get to that ball first, then regardless of whether you win the ball or not, you you can't lead with your studs. Cause if you go over it and make contact, you're going to go. Yeah. I think it's just comes back to the, you know, people have that feeling of the game becoming softer or whatever, things like that. Um, but it's just that is modern football is you you got to keep your studs down. If you can't go over a ball, you just can't go mm. over the ball, no matter how unlucky you are or whatever, if you're lunging. Uh, it, you know, it's just a split-second decision you make. It's clumsy. But I guess they want to really just drill it into players' heads. You just think about your technique and stuff. Um, you just got to learn not to do it. Because I dare say it very rarely happens at training. That a player goes over no. the ball like that. No. Um, but in the head, that's because it's not committed, because you're not as yeah. committed to winning the ball. But you're going to have to find other ways to be as committed, you know? Well, uh, it's just how it is. I think if we're continually consistent with with these decisions and giving red cards for these exact challenges every time we see them, in five to ten years' time, we're going to see a generation of footballers that their instinct will be to take the extra step and just slide, keep your studs down and just slide, just properly kick through the ball. Potentially. Yeah, it will. It, it'll definitely change the way that, you know, 50-50 challenges are made if you're going to continually throw red cards out. I thought he was unlucky. I get it. Yes, it's a red card because that's what they're given for now. Yeah. But, you know, the, when they both make contact with the ball and he sort of gets there just that fraction earlier and it slides underneath his boot, it looks worse than what it actually it is. It looks a lot worse in slow motion. Um, I guess just we're seeing lots of legs break from these sorts mm. of things. And that's what they're trying to get rid of. And the way to get rid of that is anyone who does get go over the, the ball. Um, so the next time he's going to have a double think about that 50, 50 and how he's going to go about it. Um, 
Uh, we've got the the disallowed goal. Cooper, you want to run us through this? What are your thoughts? Oh, it's uh... <laughs> never mind your thoughts. Actually, just <laughs> what the fuck has happened? <laughs> it's a it's an all time stinker, isn't it? Um, and Tom, I actually Sam and I played golf together today, and I said that when we bring this up on the podcast, Tom's going to sit there with a big grin on his face and go, "Oh, isn't it lovely when when VAR turns one around on the on the big fish because they get all the all the penalties and all the overturned offsides and just completely ignore the fact that statistically, when the big sides are in attacking areas, ninety percent more than little piss ant fish like leads, that they're probably going to get more decisions go their way. Um, that's just how. Works. I love fake stats as much as the wow. next guy. Oh, fake stats, hey? A whole ninety percent. I, yeah. This look, come on. This shouldn't have happened, but it's certainly not the first time something like this has happened. There's been plenty of onside goals ruled offside for whatever spurious reason that they have drawn out. This one like almost this. sits. Nah. This one. Not this like one almost. This. this one almost sits better with me because it's like a very simple procedural error where one individual has made a mistake and like human beings make mistakes. They should have automated it like, or semi-automated like they did in the world cup. And like they do in the, is it in the champions league as well? There's the tech is there semi-automate offsides. Like it just that makes the most sense. You know, the brilliant, I think the biggest brilliant idea here is just to not be fuckwits and just simply get these decisions right because <laughs> I'm sitting in my armchair with a fucking beer in my hand at three o'clock on Sunday morning, half falling asleep. And the shot comes up on my 30 inch TV screen that I'm sitting fucking 10 meters away from. And I can instantly go, hold on. He's on side before there's even lines drawn. Is yours I only just... 30? Cause Sammy's a 72. That's kind of disappointing. <laughs> well, I have a big one on my, on my, on my bedroom wall, but I don't trust myself with a beer laying in bed. So <laughs> we've resigned to the, to You've the lived and learned. Sometimes. I have. Yeah. I've made a few mistakes in the past. Um, <laughs> No, nah, but but on the football, I just I disagree massively with that. Um, to me, this is a huge outlier, and the only one that comes anywhere near this is when the line was drawn on the wrong Arsenal defender last season. Um, just errors that shouldn't be made. Um, this is almost even worse than that. I made There's a comment been during plenty of them. No, the, no, think of not, the, the, not ra- like the rash, not like the this. rash, not like this. City That's... goal. Like, Come on, not like this. This is horrifically. That's just that's so. Just you do not want to admit that a big six club has been wronged. That's just I your just, mentality. I just here. gave you the example of the big six of Man City, Man United when Rashford Rashford scores the offside goal. We've seen it happen. We saw it happen um, more consequentially. Uh, the Villa Sheffield, uh, Villa Sheffield United ghost goal that sent Bournemouth down. Like that. This is not new. This has been happening the entire time that we've had VAR. Just outrageous decisions being made. I just think this is one of those ones where there's going to be, even with VAR, there's going to be decisions made that are subjective, but this is not. There is there's no possible way for this to be subjective. It is just pure mistake. And they've come out and apologized and da da da. And and there was a lot of distaste going around for for the statement that Liverpool made, um, coming out and saying that no, an apology is just not going to cut it. What does an apology fix? And there's all these supporters, you know, coming in with the just cry harder or or have a whinge, these big six clubs. But there should really, in, in my genuine opinion, whether this was Liverpool or another club, I can honestly tell you that I would be on board with a statement being made because we're at a point now where an apology is not good enough. The entire point of having VAR in this league 
is so these things don't happen. Um, and I don't know if you saw the, the video I sent to the group chat earlier today, Tommy, um, Sam and I were talking about it today. But since August of last year, so just over 12 months, there have been 14 official apologies made by the PGMOL mm, yeah, for VAR serious. mistakes. 14. That's just that's one in every month. So roughly it was like one in every 32 games or something. Yeah. I, I haven't done the research, and this is probably vibe-based, but if you didn't have VAR in this situation, I don't think that you would have seen more apologies than that in that same period of time. So if we're still going to be making that many apologies, why not just get rid of it? Because like I said to you on Sunday Sunday morning when we discussed this, I genuinely feel that when the decisions are just human error, when a linesman puts his flag up thinking something's offside and it's by a bee's mm. dick, it's not offside, but there's no VAR, that yes. these decisions just because they are so naturally human error and not a, an error in use of technology, they just even themselves out way more than... You know, they a wrong offside decision probably happens. Yeah, that's it. You leave it to fate. Once every 10 games, it probably happens. Each side is probably on the end of three good ones and three bad ones a season. But there won't be another team in the league this season or probably in the next four that, that cop what Liverpool copped on the weekend. And it just it unbalances things. The problem I have with a, a statement like the Liverpool one is there's really no unification of clubs here. And... It's one of those things, it's the same as diving, things like that. The team on the end of it is like, you don't see Spurs aren't going to make a statement about how bad the VAR was because they won. Um, And so like what I'm saying is if people want things to change and they want to fix it, they need to be coming together with this and they need to be pointing it out all the time, not just when it not just when it goes against you, because that's just real, like, just wait and see how we go. Something's going against us. Now we're going to cry foul. If there's a problem in the game that's, you know, to the detriment of the sport itself, clubs should be together on this. It's the same as, like, you know, when someone dives in a game and players get super upset and they go and, like, get in the guy's face and tell him he's a cheat, but they've got players on their own team that do it, you know, if everyone's just going to sit back and just pretend it's all fine and wait till something happens to them to then chuck chuck the toys out the pram, then nothing's ever going to happen. So, like, I'm not saying I expect Spurs to release a statement about the VAR because, you know, it got them the win, but... They um, should agree to replay the game. Some sort of... (laughs) Sure. Some sort of unification there where clubs kind of get together and, you know, release something like that together to say that things need a change and things need to be fixed. Isn't that isn't that what like a like the players association is for or or things like like bodies like that? Yeah, you would have thought so. Um, I, to your point, I saw a lot of a lot going around on. I was going to say again, I've said Twitter all night. Um, how dare I dead name the beautiful app that is X? Um, <laughs> you bastard. Elon's going to see you, man. Yeah, when he finally listens to, to the night shift program. Um, but there was program. a. Yeah, <laughs> we're on the ABC now. The night shift Spotify network. Um, there was a a few videos getting around of a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who it was against or what the incident was, but Tottenham had should have had a penalty for handball. Um, and Ange sat in the press conference after the game when he was asked about it, and he said, honestly, I don't know what handball is anymore. I don't know what the point of VAR is. If we're going to have technology to be perfect and we still can't use it properly, I don't know what the point of having it is. And then he was asked about the the disallowed Diaz goal in this game in his press conference directly after the game, and he said, oh, at the end of the day, we've got to remember they're humans in that VAR box too, and people are going to make mistakes. There you go. 
There you go. It's just it's hypocrisy, isn't it? It goes it. around. Um, the Jota red card, I think you'll both probably agree with me on this one. I think his second yellow Seven. is uh, one of the stupidest, dumbest tackles you can make when you're on a yellow card. The trouble comes, I guess, being that his first yellow was he was merely running and has been booked. Two things. Yeah. There's there's no contact in his first yellow. This is the, the Jordan Ayew situation all over again in, <laughs> that we spoke about earlier in the year. This might even be worse. This is, this is a player that has tripped himself over, gone down and had a hissy fit on the floor and got their first weight, their own way. That's one problem. The second issue I have here is PGMOL, Premier League Referees Association, came out at the start of the year and they said, right, we're not going to cop dissent to the point that if even if, if you get fouled and you lay on the floor and you gesture that the player that tackled you should be carded, then you're going to get carded. If you're not going to do these things, do not make this comment at the start of the year. And, and I genuinely think it's asking too much of referees, right? Because there was definitely a, a compilation that went out after this game. Destiny, your doggy on four different occasions during this game was fouled and gestured at Simon Hooper to book the player that tackled him. So on a technicality from what we've said, the rules are at the start of this season should have been sent off twice in this game. Well, to be but, fair, he's, he's come but, from Italy. He's just speaking with his hands. Yeah, isn't but, he? but how much is this asking of Simon Hooper? Do we genuinely think like these and and i don't want to defend referees here or whatever and as no, much we as we as, you know, as much as we hate them their job is fucking hard i think yeah, why would you do it that um but are they making mistakes in in bigger moments like this because they're trying to think about the pissy little things that, that they don't care about do you think simon hooper is walking over to diogo jotter after that first influence and he's only booked him because destiny your dog is laying on the floor telling him to not a chance. In my mind, not a chance. So I don't understand why we need to try and have mm. our officials looking for these things or say that we're going to have our officials looking for these things. Yeah, no, that's a good call. I guess they pick that one out as like a sign of disrespect. And mm. if that's the whole idea is trying to respect the officials more, they've maybe gone down the wrong path with this one because it doesn't, I don't know, it's a tough one. I don't like seeing players gesture for yellows. But like no. you said, it puts them in such a difficult spot where you would potentially be sending off two or three players a game if they're already on bookings and they I'm I'm not a ref and I haven't dealt with this before but as just like as a person and considering the situation I would much rather Destiny or Doggy sit on the floor look at me and gesture with his hand to book a player mm. than get up onto his feet and sprint half an inch in front yeah. of my face and so, start yelling so at me I feel like that's the one that we wanted to cut out and, and we should have said Absolutely. at the start of the season we're not tolerating this yeah. but don't worry about the little the- shit the swarming of referees is the one that you want to get rid of. It's uh-huh. that's disgraceful. Um, but yeah, Jota just it's just I hate these ones where the players simply just running and referees, I don't know how referees just just see the world differently, don't they? <laughs> to dish out a yellow card, even if he thinks it's a foul, they're like he's he's clearly like no deliberate intention at all. He's simply just running. I think this is another occasion where if we just, this is one of those, if if there is the only possible way there could have been contact on your doggy here, there there wasn't, but if there was, was Jota running and his knee just clips your doggy. If we, Mm. if we get to a point where referees can go, yep, that's a foul, but he's not being booked because it was incidental contact. The Spurs are going to throw arms up in the air. Like, Oh, we were out though. We were away. But by the time you you don't book every player that accidentally incidentally contacts a player in a challenge. We're going to get another one of those scenarios that in 38 games time, it's going to have happened enough to every team that it just doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hundred um, percent. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, it's gonna t- it's gonna take a big change in the way that we deal with bookings. I think to get rid of this, like Sinbin is probably a good idea. Forrest uh, drew one one with Brentford. Uh, I don't think any of us paid any attention to either Forrest or Brentford so far this season. So apologies to them, but maybe uh, maybe in the be better weeks we'll see. Yeah, just be better, um, I guess. Did we? Did anyone see the uh, the not given penalty in this game? I didn't see any of it, man. Um, the I can't remember who it was, but an attacker from Brentford has tackled Matt Turner as oh, Matt, I did Tur- see Matt Turner. Oh, that one, yeah. Got, yeah, got the ball at his feet, and he's gone to kick the ball in That's open a play. And a Brentford player's come across and poked the ball away, and Turner's kept swinging for his kick and just wiped him <laughs> out. And all all of a sudden, this is incidental contact. He's denied a guaranteed the the Brentford player is, is yeah. walking into an open goal, yeah. yeah. And Matt Turner's incidentally punted the fuck out of him and just gotten away with it. And I just, yeah. right, it doesn't should... it doesn't need to be a red card. It doesn't because it's natural. No, you can just no, no, no. But you have to give a penalty. He's you have to. It's a guaranteed yep. goal. It has to be a penalty. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm with you. No, exactly. Usually I'm. Uh, like a little bit more lenient on the guys trying to play the ball and if someone nicks in. But the fact that, um, was it Embuemo who did it or Visa was one of them, that, that his touch was so good that it was genuinely 100% going to be a goal if he wasn't wiped out. You have to call it. Definitely. Um, last game of the round, Fulham nil, Chelsea 2. Oh, it's not the last game. There's one to come, I think, isn't there, tomorrow? There's a makeup game, yeah. Oh, there's a makeup game. Previous uh, round. Sorry about it. Uh, Fulham nil. Burnley, for fuck's sake. Yeah, who cares? Fulham nil, Chelsea two. Chelsea on the board with a win. Mudrick on the board with a goal. The Dudrick has got one. Broha has one, albeit uh, a defender clearing the ball into his foot and then into the net. A little bit scrappy, but Chelsea pretty in control enough of this one or (laughs) shaky. I love that you retracted that halfway through. Yeah, I've got, got a feeling. I, I really wasn't mind, sure where to go with it. I just wonder if you just have you got like the result up on your screen in front of you there, and you're like Chelsea pretty well in control as you've clicked stats and seen that Fulham, <laughs> Fulham had all the ball and the same amount of shots. I was recalling watching the like the highlights, and uh, yeah, I've read through the stats and stuff, and I feel like two 0 is always kind of comfortable, especially when you. A two 0 up inside twenty minutes, but then you're like, oh, the the outlier really? in this game to me was corners. Fulham eight, Chelsea one. Mm. Yeah, Chelsea four yellow cards as well. Um, <laughs> I think there was a little bit of the dark arts going on in the back end of this game to keep it two nil. Uh, we the second goal is just ridiculous, and for that to be the one that kills the game uh, is upsetting. I think. And you probably may have seen Fulham come back if it was still 1-0 at halftime. Uh, but whether it was comfortable or not, I mean, what what do Fulham really provide? What what, what, are, what are they? What do they do? I mean, not if Chelsea are going to score a goal, are Fulham going to score a goal? I'm going to bank no. I just, um one comment I had on Fulham was Raul Jimenez hasn't scored a Premier League goal for 14 months. And he's started all but one game so far for Fulham in this season. Um, when Carlos Vinicius has come off the bench and had three goal contributions this season, you'd have to, as Carlos Vinicius, start feeling like genuinely, when the fuck am I going to get my chance in this team? Mm. How how long can this guy go on a drought for while I keep coming on and scoring goals and having an impact? It was a strange signing, Jimenez, I think. Um, 
I think on the surface, people thought it was okay. I probably thought it was okay too. And then you dig a bit deeper into his form at Wolves towards the end there, and um, it's not good. <laughs> and it's continued I mean, to be not good. He was kicked in the skull, wasn't he? He was, but he came back. And so, so why is he starting? He scored against Australia. That's good for oh, wow. huge. Congratulations! Huge. A goal again. A goal <laughs> um, from the goal from the penalty spot against Australia. We've also reached uh, the point in career where Alex Awobi isn't starting, yep. um, and is on the oh, bench brilliant. for a team like Fulham. So, should he have just stayed at Everton? Maybe I don't know. Who knows? As as bad as the other, I guess. Um, <laughs> anything else? Yeah. Um. One comment from this game is. What the fuck are Chelsea doing on the training ground? Um, <laughs> last week I asked. Weeding. Well, last week I asked where where Ben Chilwell was and did Thiago Silva have fucking Potch's dick pics or is he, you know, taking photos of him at the urinal? How does, what does Chilwell have to do? He was in their best players in their first three games, hadn't had a start since, was riding the bench. Um, then the lineups come out for this one and I saw that Mark Cucurea was getting a start for Chelsea um, and I thought, is Chilwell that bad in Potch's mind? And I scrolled down to the subs and once again, didn't recognize any of them outside of Raheem Sterling, who finally got a break. <laughs> and even Cole Palmer wasn't there this week. Um, so I had a, had a quick look and Ben Chilwell, who's played no more than 11 minutes in a game for the last month is out till December now. So yeah. I don't know what he's been doing on the paddock, but they're doing something seriously wrong. Um this football club is a shambles. Their only starting midfielder out of 100 million, Kai Sato, Enzo Fernandez, who cost 80 and was fantastic at the World Cup, and Conor Gallagher that played the full game in this game that wasn't substituted was Conor Gallagher and he wore the armband. And I just cannot wrap my head around what's going on at Stanford Bridge. I'm going to wrap you up there because I think we we did it the other week. We talked about all these players and uh, the Enzo Fernandez thing and all of it. Um, we'll probably revisit it in a few weeks when they keep getting dud results. Um, but maybe maybe they're on the up now. Dudrick got a goal, so Mudrick's back in there, whatever. Um, it's Champions League week. Just quickly, I'll go to you first, Tommy. Uh, what's your pick of this week's Champions League action? Mm, uh, well, I'm looking to, uh, whether or not some of the big teams can absolutely obliterate some of the smaller opposition they're going to come up against. Uh, really hoping the Bayern Munich turn it on. Uh, really hoping that Inter can get over Benfica. Are you and... doing this from a gambling perspective now? <laughs> no, no, not whatsoever. What? You're I'm hoping not... that the big teams smash the small teams. Uh yeah, yeah. Like you um, want you want Bayern Munich to absolutely obliterate Copenhagen. Why? What would you get yeah. out of that? I uh, just uh, you know a witness, a spectacle to um to, to a Harry Kane hat trick that would actually count as a hat trick. Um, I was the the slow run up was that Galatasaray were going to belt Man United. Oh, sorry, I've ruined your joke. It wasn't a joke. I'm really sorry. I just, I just wanted oh, to sink the boot into Man U one more time. <laughs> I would love to see that happen. Now, the game of the the, I mean, it's it's going to be that same group, isn't it? The one with Dortmund, Milan, uh, PSG, and Newcastle. Those are the most interesting games. Barrow, Cooper. Yeah, um, Tom's Lithuanian minnow Red Star Belgrade get get the could potentially get the young boys treatment <laughs> that he was talking about this week. So that could be a, a blockbuster in in Tom's household or his little in his little washing room there that he's got going on. Um, Always yeah, is when the young boys are on. No, nah, he's right though. That group delivers again. Um, Dortmund and Milan uh, in Germany will be a good game. Um, if Milan win that game, they get out of this group. I think. 
Um, it's a pretty massive game because I, I genuinely think PSG get hold of Newcastle at St. James's Park on Thursday morning. So it's a big result for Milan or Dortmund who sit pretty level in that group to, to get one up on what could be direct competition and getting out of that group. Um, excited to see City go away to Leipzig. Um, Leipzig a genuine chance with no De Bruyne and potentially no Rodri could could genuinely be a chance to take points off City there. There we go. Uh, my pick would be of uh, Wednesday morning Napoli Real Madrid. Uh, I think mm-hmm. that's a lot of people's headliner for the Fun one. for the Wednesday games, and then Thursday I think Barcelona's trip to Porto will be interesting as well. So um, I think Porto maybe not the strongest squad they've had in a while, but uh, Barcelona. You know, these Portuguese teams always prove us wrong and end up being tricky in the Champions League. So a trip uh, like this for Barca would be interesting. Question for you, Sam. Can Celtic get points off Lazio at home? Uh, I don't think so, no. I just don't think Celtic are playing way too poorly. Lazio have turned a little bit of a corner after their shocking start. I know they lost they lost 2-0 to Milan on the weekend, but they certainly are not playing as poorly as they started. So I think they've just got too many weapons that will will take care of Celtic, who are a bit of a mess at the back at the moment. Beautiful. There we go. I think that's all we got. We'll wrap it up. I've just heard him just heard him press submit on something, I think. Yeah. What are you recording me for? Huh? Um, Confirmed. We'll leave it there. Good stuff. Good week. Enjoy your football, folks. Uh, tell your friends, share the pod, get around us on the social media stuff. I'm trying to yes. make it sound as boomer as possible when I say <laughs> social media, the socials. Um, we'll, there you have it. We'll On the Facebook, saying, you know. We'll avoid saying TikTok at all costs. Why? Oh, why not? I oh, was that, uh, that's I'm, a, that's I'm a... really tuned out. It's really, really late. It's now Wednesday. Champions League's kicking off shortly and we're still talking. Uh, we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. See you later. Say goodbye, Cooper. Bye. Bye, Cooper. Bye, Bye Cooper. Sam.